Thank you for tuning into my podcast, The Haunted Homo. My name is Tyler. We're going to be talking about some of the themes in horror film, literature, and television. Tonight, I have a special guest, my younger sister. Can you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Grace. Grace is finishing up high school this year, and I thought it would be interesting to have someone who is in between two sections of horror genre that don't usually intersect but are also the same thing. Tonight, we're going to be talking about children's horror. So by children's horror, what I mean is different books and movies and TV shows that do fit inside the horror genre but are um, marketed and are made for younger people, whether it's like children or grade schoolers, middle schoolers, things like that. Obviously, that includes a lot of different things, so we're only going to talk about a few different uh, titles in the overall genre, and I've asked Grace to kind of list some that she knew so that we could kind of have a common ground, although admittedly, I haven't seen all of these. So Grace, if you wouldn't mind just giving a a small introduction about um, our first title, A Series of Unfortunate Events by Lemony Snicket or um, Daniel Handler. So, Lemony, the series of unfortunate events is basically about three children named Violet, Klaus, and Sonny, and their parents get killed at their house in a tragic fire. And then they are sent to a guardian named Count Olaf, who seems to be a good person at first, but actually just wants their family fortune. So, they end up getting away from him, but not for long, because he disguises himself as other people and enters their life much more. And to this point, they are never getting away from him. So, I personally have only seen the film version that had Jim Carrey as Count Olaf. I've never read the books. At least, I don't think I have. Well, I've read, like, a couple... Like, almost half the books, but then Netflix came out with the original series for a series of Fortune Vince, which dabbles on all the books in a long set of seasons, and it basically just tells the, what the books are about, and yeah. So I always thought this series was kind of interesting because it definitely fits into that grimy style that is kind of popularized by... Um, anything that had Johnny Depp in it, or it was directed by Tim Burton, such as Edward Scissorhands or A Nightmare Before Christmas, sort of grimy look to it that at least I, I think the original film had. I'm not sure if the TV show has that same kind of feel. It does to the point that it is like dark and grimy and that it seems like no hope for the children in the storyline so perhaps in a more children's horror style it's very gothic structured that it's it's very much spelled out this is very bleak this is very dark doesn't seem like there's a bright ray of sunshine in there for anyone not the characters and not for the people watching it so i sort of wonder if that's kind of a a stylistic choice or it's because since it's children's horror Or, you know, horror films and movies made for people who are a bit younger, who don't have the literary or filmic breadth of knowledge that an adult would. They really have to spell it out that this is it, 
or if this is more of following what the books are like. Are mm-hmm. the books this grimy, dirty? Yeah, the books are very depressing, and then every every book, the ending is pretty depressing. Most of their guardians end up getting killed by Count Olaf, and then they're sent to another guardian to face the same fate. Well, what about the environments or the atmosphere of the book or the places they go to? Well, they... even like when they say they go on the go to the beach, the beach is dark. It's a cloudy day. Most of their days are cloudy, which gives a more atmosphere to their bleak life after their parents die. And there's this thing in literature where basically emotion in in a lot of literature humans will find that their emotions are expressed in the clouds and in the weather which is just a very you know well used trope but also they um the kids keep on hoping that they'll have a better guardian and when they do get the better guardian count olaf comes up in disguise as somebody else and they try to state to him this is count olaf but none of the adults are like oh you're being silly you're just scared of him now and you assume everyone's him. But in the end, it's their demise to that point. He will kill them and then try to take the kids back. And every time they try to tell him, oh, this is um, Count Olaf. And then they also, that's more to the aspect of the not listening to kids aspect where they're kids. They shouldn't know this or that or they don't want to listen to what they have to say because they're just children. So then is it playing on a fear of children not being listened to or that children have to kind of bear certain things in secret because they're not listened to they put or taken like, seriously? They put both aspects in that storyline because they have to have the secret to themselves and figure it out themselves because adults won't help them. So they have to figure a way to get him out. As if I remember from the film I watched with Jim Carrey, the disguises weren't really that great. Like, it's obvious that it's Count Mm -hmm. Olaf, and everyone is sort of just generally bamboozled except for the uh, Baudelaire children. Which might state something that children were smarter than the adults that were raising them at that point. So it's more about kind of monstrous adults. So mm-hmm. I wonder if this kind of translates into the rest of the horror literature that we're going to talk about. Maybe so. Okay, so we're going to keep going and talk about uh, our next title in the children's horror, or what I'm calling the children's horror genre, which is uh, the film Monster House. Uh, Monster House was released in 2006. It was nominated for an Academy Award in Best Animated Feature. Uh I was still in high school when this came out, and Grace was how five. I was five when it came out, and I think she probably actually watched this with us when we got it on DVD. Yeah, for it was like Christmas. Christmas or something. Um, and we've both seen it probably a hundred mm-hmm. times. So I'm sure a lot of people have seen this movie a hundred times. So the film starts with a little girl riding her bike or her tricycle down the sidewalk. And, um, she gets tripped up by a branch or a root or some grass, a crack in the sidewalk. And he, Mr. Nevercracker, who is, um, the man, the grouchy old neighborhood man who lives in the freaky looking house, 
comes out and takes her tricycle. Yep, breaks it in half. And breaks it in half. She runs screaming. And then I think from there it pans to right across the street is where DJ, a um, like middle school aged kind of strange kid who watches Mr. Nevercracker and keeps lists of things that he takes from kids in the neighborhood or people who come close to his lawn, making notes of this tricycle being broken half and taken. Mm Because I think he says, like, one tricycle. While his parents, who are kind of delightfully absent, both physically and mentally, are preparing to leave for a dental conference. Mm -hmm. But because he's kind of in between the whole, like, high school age, I can watch myself and elementary school I can't watch myself they get him an angsty teenage or early 20s babysitter um Z who then casually brings her boyfriend Bones over so as the parents are leaving they basically hit DJ's friend Chowder and the dad makes like a really delightful like there you are like comment about Chowder being like a weird kit as well um and they run over his mask because of course chowder is there in a googly-eyed face like plastic mask for halloween um he's wearing a cape Mm -hmm. a very small cape and kind of um presents the first kind of real issue theme of the movie that they'd been trick-or-treating together Mm -hmm. for six years straight and dj is feeling extra angsty and wants to be a grown-up and not go trick-or-treating, even though he has an already angsty babysitter. Yeah. So Z arrives, Chowder leaves, because he doesn't like Z or something, and no. she doesn't, she says get out. But yeah. they go into the house, and Z's like, you know, hey, I've got so many activities, and I'm a cool babysitter, and... Then DJ's like, they left. And then she's like, oh, okay. And then she breaks a flower pot and then Yeah, she's very chill. It. She's like, oh, okay, good. Oh, cool. Awesome. So go to bed. Yeah, go to bed. I'm just going to come down here and play my loud music. Right. And, you know, he's like, well, you know, I don't even need a babysitter at all. And she's like, oh, oh, you don't. And yeah. she takes the pot, potted plant, drops it, and it's like, DJ, why did you do that? And it makes him extra angsty because he realizes that the power structure is unbalanced, even though she is basically the same kind of level of maturity as As he he is, is. really. Um, Monster House is this really interesting movie to take a a moment from introducing the plot because the whole film is full of these very teenage horror movie tropes. Mm Mm-hmm. It's with, like, the the teenager who's obsessed with a certain person in the neighborhood that seems very odd. So they're very like, hey, guys, we need to know what's going on with this one person. The parents are absent. Yeah, uh, DJ's parents leave. Yeah. They say, good luck. Chowder's parents, uh, his dad is at the pharmacy, mm-hmm. and his mom is at the movie theater with her personal trainer. Uh, Jenny, the girl that is... 
from the kind of both DJ and Chowder's foil because she's good at everything and actually sort of knows what's going on mm-hmm. and is capable. Her mom just gets a phone call, basically, that, hey, yep. I'm hanging out with some boys over here. Yeah. Okay, bye. And that's it. Even Z eventually just leaves yeah. to go find her boyfriend who has disappeared. Another trope to really fast forward is the expert character. So after they've witnessed the house almost eat Jenny. And then um, Chowder's like, oh, let's go. I know this guy who can help us with it. So they go and they meet the pizza delivery guy who's playing video games for a very long time. The game is Thou Art Dead. And it's this great pixelated arcade game. That, unfortunately, because I'm quite a bit older, I played games like that when I was a kid on my, like, Windows 95 and things like that. And it was such, it was such a, like, funny, nostalgic sort of scene to watch him do that. And they discuss, when they get there, you know, who it is. They're like, this, that's Reginald Skalinski. But people call him Skull. And Jenny's like, well, what, what people? Oh, oh, we call him Skull. So it's, he's a nobody. They're also nobodies. And she's the she's, only cognizant yeah. one who's like, what's like, actually happening here? Yeah. So they run up. Um, Jenny's had enough of them kind of, you know, tapping around. Says, let's, well, let's go talk to him. And he's very weird. He's very much the greasy, any teenage horror film kind of gross, greasy pizza guy. Who's probably in his 20s. He's a bit older. He's quite a bit older than them. And, you know, possibly the same age as Z, the babysitter, and her boyfriend, Bones. But he, they walk up, and he's very much in his zone, talking to the arcade game, um, doing really crappy kind of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle sword <laughs> yeah. things, um, embellishes, and... You know, they, they're in awe, and Jenny's just like, what the hell am I watching right now? Where yeah, am I? Just grown adult guy just playing a video game. Total seriousness, because as they said, he once played it for like, like three days with yeah. only a jug of chocolate milk and an adult diaper, diaper. and she's obviously she's... grossed out by this. Yeah. Jenny is very mature, which is usually true for young women who are that age. They typically tend to be more mature yes. and the boys are a little slower because little slower. their processes are different. So they mm-hmm. are not quite as mature as mature. And they finally get up the courage to explain what's going on, that they need to somehow defeat a possessed house. And then he goes into like, oh, a possessed house. He's like, interesting. He's in my time of fictional going going, going to, to the comic cons yep. and the the fantasy conventions. Fantasy conventions. I I have learned about this possessing of house. And then he says some certain name, and they're like, oh. And- yeah. So the name he says is Domus Mactibulus. He's so weird, and um, this idea that he's the greasy, nerdy guy who goes to, as he put it, the video Video. store and comic book conventions. (laughs) So really trying to, like, ham up the nostalgia of it that he's going to a video store connection, which I feel like even in 2006 was starting to become a bit of a fossil. It really hams up that, hey... 
this is a trope. We're do we're doing a trope. Yeah. Which is strange because if it came out, it, well, it's 2006. Mm-hmm. It's an animated feature. The kids in the film are middle schoolers. Yeah. So like maybe eighth graders at most. Probably. Which, if their parents are gone, they're probably watching a lot of teenagey sort of horror movies mm-hmm. like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Like Scream, which is one about a horror film where a ghost face killer goes on a rampage killing teenagers but there's even to the point they go into a backstory of oh maybe this ghost face is this girl's father because her mother died a year earlier so they all have to go through backstories of why this would happen there's always this explanation and there's almost always in Mm -hmm. all of these films some sort of expert figure who knows knows what's going on knows how to fix it Mm -hmm. And the characters just supposed to be like, okay, sure, because yeah. he went to the video store and comic book convention, exactly. so that he naturally would know everything. And this also kind of reinforces the idea that the parents are gone, so the kids go to it, other kids, bigger kids, to get the verifiable information that they believe to be true. Mm-hmm. So DJ asks, how are we supposed to kill it? And he says, oh, you have to hit it at the source, which would be the heart. And he says... But houses don't have hearts, which I think is this really interesting way that... They're a little too old to be called children, but I'm going to kind of stick with it because they're not even high schoolers Mm -hmm. quite yet. How children kind of tend to say things that really hammer in... Uh, a truth mm-hmm. that houses are just buildings, you know, even, and that says a lot about, it's a, a commentary on all haunted house narratives that we think that houses might have spirits or mm-hmm. poltergeist or paranormal activity that in the, it's just a house. It's just bricks. Houses mm-hmm. don't have brains. They don't have stomachs. They don't have hearts. So then if the house doesn't have the heart, it's actually about the people, the The people people who are inside the house, um, Mr. Nebercracker, which, you know, at this Mm -hmm. point, we're supposed to assume that it's just Mr. Nebercracker because they think it is him being crazy and also that he died, Mm -hmm. supposedly, supposedly, allegedly, and he's now ghosting the inside of the house and spooking DJ Chowder and Jenny to enact his revenge because DJ thinks that he killed him. Mm-hmm. So in conclusion to that, they go and start trying to make a way to trick the house into doing or eating what they give it to kill it. Mm-hmm. So they have Chowder go to his dad's pharmacy and steal a ton of cough syrup. Yeah. Because obviously they, they just want to put the house to sleep, which for like a middle schooler, school. I guess. Cough syrup makes you go to sleep. And that makes sense. Yeah. Again, there there are no adults. But even no. then in the scene where Chowder is going into the pharmacy, there's no one there. There no. There's never anyone even, anywhere. Yeah, even if it's his dad's pharmacy, the dad's not there. So he's like, okay, I'll just take all this stuff. He runs out, the thing goes off, and he screams, but there's no... We Nobody don't hear a, a, a clerk saying, hey, kid... What the hell? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. uh, and there's no, there's not even anyone else in the diner where um, Skull is 
playing Thou Art Dead. Yeah, there's nobody. So it's kind of a ghost town with just these three kids, which is also kind of another teenage horror movie trope. Yeah, it's like sort nobody's of a, there. No one's there. Except it's kind of like there's... Cabin in the Woods. There's mm-hmm. the one creepy gas station attendant on the way, and that's it. Yeah. There's no one. Nobody it's else. just them. Of course, in this case, there are other people because as they're plugging in the vacuum, they've yep. dressed up to look like a little kid with chowders ran over mask. Some cops pull up. Yep. And they go into, they're like, hey, kids, what are you doing? Because they see them as trespassing on somebody's property. And, and they'd warned them not to do it again. Yeah. Because they were there Through. when Nevercracker died, yeah. I think. And they yeah. said, you know, stay off Stay, stay off, off his property. But then, or no, 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 that's not right. Sorry, they were they called the police right. after Jenny was, before she was um before like after she was trying to be eaten right after she's trying to be after she was almost eaten by the house mm-hmm. they call the police the police come yeah. to the house and laugh at them laugh which at them. continues the same uh-huh. thing that happened to uh, the Baudelaire children in or well. Predates, I guess, maybe this yeah. is about the same time they came out. Yeah. Because, actually, Lemony Snicket's un- series of unfortunate events have actually been out forever. Um, this is the same thing. Children don't get listened to, even though they're trying to say something that is true because mm-hmm. it sounds fantastical. Yeah. Um, but anyways, the cops come back. And it then, doesn't really say how they got there. I no. don't remember if someone, they got a call or they were, I maybe they just... We're patrolling, yeah, just patrolling back to see if anyone was there. Well, they unplug the vacuum that is the kids' thing, and of course the house is, is snarling. It was ready to eat uh-huh. the little kid vacuum. Yeah, it goes back to normal, yeah. just a normal house. And um, the older cop kind of thinks they're doing something weird and goes and looks at the vacuum, uh-huh. opens it up the jacket to see the cough syrup of mm-hmm. which he drinks like. He takes a swig of some, because, of course. Yeah. And he says they're going to arrest him. Yeah. So, of course, this is where um, they arrest the kids. The rookie cop is really excited, because he's like, I'm going to arrest some people. Yeah. Um, they put him in the backseat of the car, and they hear something. They start... There's... Something makes them go look at the house. Yeah, they start walking up to the house, and then they're like... They're just kind of walking up, and they're... All of a sudden, the house just kind of transforms, and they start freaking out. Yeah, so the house eats both of the cops. Yep, and um, plus their plus their car. And starts eating their car. However, the kids are able to get out, or yeah, they get I don't into know. the house. I'm not sure. I think they. I think they got. They opened the door, or something, and they just kind of swooped out real quick. Before the the car was eaten into the house, so we just watched a clip really quick, and they do get into the house because they're still in the back seat of the car. Yeah. And as the house is munching the car in half, it closes the door. It closes the door. They hop out of the back seat before the rest of the car is swallowed, and they try to run to the door. The door slams closed because yeah. the house thinks it's eating everybody. Yeah, it's eating everybody. So they're there in the house now that they were trying to get into and were trying to. Put to sleep with a ton of cough syrup, Mm because that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And they see pictures of Mr. Numbercracker as a young man Mm -hmm. who's very happy. 
Um, he's in his, he's with his bomb unit. He, there's a picture of him and Constance. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing that's very tropey, like a lot of Halloween movies or a lot of well, Halloween, because usually they're teenagey Halloween movies, mm-hmm. is there's this big backstory, yeah. the urban legend that, oh, well, I heard he killed his wife. Yeah. And like and ate her or something. No, he's. The one said that it was, I heard he killed his wife and then hid the body parts in, like, under the floorboards or something like that. Okay, Which so... usually goes into, like, urban legend of any horror movie. They're like, oh, I heard this about this person. Well, like, every town or every, like, weird county has that kind of odd person. It's mm-hmm. it's very tropey, but it's also, like, it's a story that kids tell each other to mm-hmm. freak each other out about some random neighbor yeah. who they don't quite understand. So the kids start exploring the house, and they eventually find their way into the basement because they got swallowed. Yeah, put the, down there somehow. Yeah, the the tongue started moving, and they ended up just getting swallowed because Charter's like, "Oh, it must be a girl house because oh, he sees God, the ugula." Yeah, the the thing at the back of the throats yeah. that basically enacts which, the gag reflex, which, which makes the house which throw Jenny's up. like everyone has one. Because, again, Jenny is more intelligent. She knows what the hell is going on. And Chowder is this very child person. Mm -hmm. Um, So they end up going into the basement Mm -hmm. where they find a circus cage with a cement cast. Yeah, a cemented cast. Of Constance, Constance. who (laughs) they assume was Nebercracker's wife. Mm -hmm. And... They see some signs that actually it's, you know, not per se trying to be hidden. It is mm-hmm. hidden, but yeah. that there are there are hearts around it. Yeah. You know, it's a shrine to her. Yeah. It's not some, you know, dark, deep secret. Yeah. It is it's in more... a dark place, mm-hmm. but they do see that this is something that's well taken care of as much as can. And there's a lot of care and attention being given to it. Mm-hmm. Um but something ha- they fall. She, DJ falls on the cast. Yeah, and it starts to fall like it crumbles apart, and it shows, the, of course, the skeleton that's inside. And yeah, they realize, oh crap, that is actually where like she died. She died. That's where the house wakes is. up because it realizes there are people inside of it. Mm-hmm. They're able to get outside of the house. Yeah, somehow it's a lot, um, and as they're outside, they're trying to run across the street, and DJ gets hit. By an ambulance, it yes. turns out to be Mr. Nebercracker, who has escaped the hospital, stolen uh-huh. an ambulance, because he has to get back to the house, because tonight... Is Halloween. Is Halloween. It's trick-or-treat night. And this is the night she died, too, so it's right. the worst night possible. Because the house is still angry. Mm-hmm. Um, we then have a flashback, because they understand now that, you know, he's been watching... Weird Mr. Nevercracker. Uh-huh. Surprise, surprise. Weird Mr. Nevercracker is actually fairly complicated yeah. and has a past. Um, and he explains meeting Constance, mm-hmm. who, interestingly enough, um, had a tagline that foreshadowed the house that I've seen this film a hundred times and I never noticed until we watched a clip yeah. of it. Uh, he goes, you know, has the flashback of him as a very young man going to a circus freak show to see Constance, the lady as big as a house. 
foreshadowing. Dun, dun, dun. Foreshadowing because yeah. she becomes the house. Yeah. Um, and people, you know, she, the curtains open mm-hmm. and she's, you know, kind of proper looking. She yeah. has a teacup mm-hmm. and she's got like a nice dress. Yeah. Her hair is done nice and she's kind of waving. She seems mm-hmm. sort of kind of like performy. Yeah. And people start throwing tomatoes at her. Yeah. And other vegetables and she gets mad. Gets up and then kind of falls down. Because she, you know, which flows into the next scene. You know, she's Mm -hmm. kind of resigned to her fate. Yeah. And she's made to live in a cage. Mm -hmm. But Nevercracker comes and offers to take her away. And I guess if someone offered that and you were in a bad situation, I don't know, maybe you would take it. But she does take it. Mm -hmm. They seem, she seems very happy about the situation. Yeah. And he buys some land to build a house for them, to mm-hmm. have a life together. And he's very happy. And she's very happy. Yeah. And as they're building the house, it goes flashes forward in his flashback to show some children throwing some eggs at the house while he's about to pour cement into the foundational basement. Mm-hmm. And this makes Constance very angry because, of course, it reminds her of her time in the Circus Freak show. So it gives her trauma to it. And then she goes into a fit of rage and picks up a axe that's on the ground and starts swinging at them and saying, leave our house alone. And then, of course, Nevercracker, being the good guy he is, is like, no, you can't just hit them with an axe. Yeah, and he tries to explain, you know, they're just kids. They don't really mean anything harmful about it. And it also kind of highlights that at one time Trick or Treat was much more about the trick, I think, than, than it was like the treat. and. He's more chill. He's it's just, they're just kids. It's, yeah. But obviously, Constance has experienced a lot of trauma that she hasn't quite gotten over or found a way to overcome. Mm-hmm. So this really triggers her. And as she's swinging the axe, he tries to stop her, and it accidentally hits him in the head. So he falls down, mm-hmm. and she kind of loses her step. Yeah. Falls into the foundation after pulling on the, the cement. cement. And then basically the cement just gets poured onto her. And she gets buried. Yeah. So um, now that we know this, um, Mr. Nebercracker, you know, has a connection with DJ and the children because now they know. Mm-hmm. And they obviously pity him and they have compassion for him because... He's just been trying to protect other people. It yep. must have been a hard time living in the house alone, but not alone because Constance wasn't there. And yep. it wasn't a positive element of Constance. No. It was a negative element of Constance that threw um, newspapers back at newsboys yeah. and knocked them off their bicycles and would eat kites, which is what drew bones in, yep. or bas- Chowder's basketball, or... Um, Tricycles or bicycles, things like that. So it was always trying to eat people. So Mr. Nevercracker, in trying to protect others and protect Constance, the Mm -hmm. house, also ended up shutting himself out away from the world. Yeah, and just kind of just lived in the house. So then he tries to reason with Constance and explain, you know, I have to do this. I have to, you know, let you go. And he has... um, like a stick of dynamite or something mm-hmm. that he's going to blow up the house. She realizes, the house realizes it, freaks out, yeah. super mad, uh, um, turns the trees and the lawn into her arms, yeah. picks herself up off the foundation of her house, um, of the property, and starts to chase them. Yeah. And it gets into this kind of very dramatic battle scene where Chowder finds that he... 
um, can be mature and responsible and fearless Mm -hmm. because, of course, he gets into a bulldozer sort of thing, an earth mover, and holds the house down while DJ does some really fantastic acrobatic swinging off of a crane to drop the dynamite into um, her chim- the chimney the of chimney. the house. Mm-hmm. And then and basically blowing it up. Basically blowing it up. Uh, this action then frees Constance because mm-hmm. we see a ghostly smoke image of her yeah go out um and you know see nevercracker as she was before Mm -hmm. and as he is now they have a moment and they all go back to the property and for trick-or-treat mr nevercracker is handing out all the things that people lost right and then of course um people start crawling out of the the pit of the oh house. yeah like the police officers the police officers bones, bones crawls out and bones goes to find z who again has been gone since the beginning of the movie uh-huh. but she's now found a new guy Which, sort of who is skull skull the um pizza delivery guy which is weird because i never realized until today that it was bones her first boyfriend and it's skull and bones you know yeah like a cross skull crossbones yeah, sort of thing, which is, bones. of course, I, I didn't know that was part of the thing, and it was weird that I never caught it. And then at the end of the movie, you hear her being like bones away. So obviously, skull wasn't yeah. quite it for her. So to kind of wrap up nicely, Monster House. This horror movie is kind of like a primer for horror movies that teenagers mm-hmm. would see. The parents are the absent parents. parents. Kids are just kind of kids, teenagers, just kind of running amok. They have the entire world to themselves and they get into all this trouble. They have to deal with monstrosity. Mm -hmm. There's really no help for them because also all the adults don't believe them. All the adults don't. None of the adults believe them. The cops don't believe them. A lot of times in these movies, the parents are, well, they're not only are they gone, but the parents usually don't don't believe them until it's the parents are killed or yeah, something. Or usually parents, parents are killed, so... Um, so this one, there are just no parents ever yeah. at all. I think, well, they don't even... They come back at they the They come back end. at the end, and they ask what he did and stuff, and he was just, like, trick-or-treating and stuff like that. The other thing this movie is trying to deal with is the kind of um, moment between deciding that you're a not a child mm-hmm. and you're a teenager kind of moment because... Yeah. In the end of the film, DJ decides, oh, you know what? Let's go trick-or-treating. Yeah. It'll be fine. I, I feel like a kid tonight or something mm-hmm. like that after everything. And then, of course, the <laughs> deeper meaning of um, not letting someone go or yeah. kind of harboring harboring negative elements yeah. of a person and not having a, a real resolve about them moving like on. Like Constance with the children and anyone who goes past the house thinking it's going to harm her so she never had that resolve or the free of leaving the house and nevercracker never left either because he was afraid that constance would harm other people yes so to kind of answer the initial question i had about why children's horror it seems like children's horror movies and television and you know spooky books Mm -hmm. even though we didn't get to cover as many as we would have liked they're sort of a primer, a 
kind of an entry into the movies and TV shows and books you're going to read when you're Mm -hmm. in your high school years and when you're in your 20s and obviously throughout your adult life that it's the same general meanings that um, general meanings and aspects the other kind of important thing is that a lot of children's horror have to do with adults and children Mm -hmm. that uh, either adults are terrible or they're missing or absent or they don't believe kids and so kids have to face these horrors by themselves by themselves a lot of times so it's an interesting I think it's really fascinating that this is kind of how we set up horror Mm -hmm. for you know like middle schoolers because it's not like you know a first grader is possibly Um, but middle schoolers going into high school that oh by the way you're going to be on your own at some point Mm -hmm. and no one's going to listen to you or help you possibly so you gotta do stuff by yourself so it goes into that aspect too right and I think that's really interesting so that concludes my our, our episode on children's horror. I really appreciate you listening and tune in for more episodes where we discuss some fun films and uh, books and try to contextually unpack them. Again, my name is Tyler. And I'm Grace. And this was The Haunted Homo.